Welcome to the Workplace Warrior Podcast, where we have people from around the world share with you their journey to expand human consciousness and bring evolution to our modern day workplace. Where the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Hello, and thank you for joining a video recording of the Workplace Warrior podcast. My name is Lee Everett, and I'm the founder and host of the Workplace Warrior. And my partner and I, Devin Craig, bring to you different topics that go on in corporate America and where we talk to different workplace warriors that are leading the change in our environment and then pushing forward evolution within our modern day workplace. I'm here today with my guest and good friend, Terry Reeves, who is the founder of Empower Health America. And I want to welcome you all to the conversation. And it's a pleasure to have you, Terry. Hey, I'm excited to be here. This yes, will be ma'am. fun. For sure. So, you know, I know we've been talking a little bit and I know you're doing a lot of big things. So with the Workplace Warrior, with every warrior, there's a start to that journey. And so can you share with us a little bit about the start to your Workplace Warrior journey? Got about 50 years. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I have launched a couple of businesses over the last 15 years and very proud and excited to have um, really launched a third business called Empower Health America. And Empower Health America has a couple of different things that we do, but denotes the name. I'm looking to really inspire people, um, individuals, teams, and organizations in particular in the workplace as it relates to employees. So what can I do to consult an organization? How can I provide services that help their their individual employees, teams, and organizations thrive? I do a lot of organization development work, so really helping organizations understand the importance of creating a healthy workplace so they can recruit and retain really talented employees, keep them engaged and inspired so they don't want to leave because we know what that replacement cost is and the disruption that is to the organization. So that just kind of very quickly gives you a little bit of a a feel for the organization that I've launched. Um, My journey, gosh, was started... I mean, my path in terms of corporate America probably 35 years ago, Um, but I've always had this real desire to give back, to find out where there's pain and where there can be opportunities so that people can consider an organization's new possibilities so that they can be more awake and aware of being healthier culturally and to help their employees be healthier and, and change really starts at the individual level. So I do focus a bit on helping the individual become more inspired. And, um, you know, we all have our own stories and I certainly have not had the charmed perfect life. So <laughs> you learn how to be a peaceful warrior is kind of yeah. the way I would wrap um, around your podcast is how can I be powerful, inspiring and do it in a very um, impactful, intentional manner. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, what's unique about your story is just not just your sheer experience, but kind of your why and what drives you through that. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Because, you know, we talk about these things with awareness and consciousness and mindfulness, and a lot of people typically tend to leave that at the surface, right? So tell us a little bit about how you got into that personally and what made you want to bring that to the forefront of corporate America. 
So I think everybody, to your point, has a story. And I think it's our own life's journey, um, our experiences, whether it's education, whether it's just life experiences, or it, it's professional experiences that shape who we are. And, you know, not having a charmed, perfect life, which most of us don't, you can either stay stuck and um, ruminate in that place or you can look at new, new opportunities and how can I learn from the challenges in my life and how can I persevere and overcome them. And so I think it's really about pausing. I use that word a lot. How can I pause to be more awake and aware of how I'm feeling? Mm-hmm. How am I spending my time and energy so that I'm doing that with greater intention? Who am I co-creating and spending time with? So whether that's a person that's a friend or a partner or colleagues or a significant other, those things to me are fundamentally important. And I think that the why has to be driven by both the head and the heart because those two things linked together give us great wisdom. And I think most leaders that have been able to capture those two elements in making decisions um, probably have a greater impact, not only on their organizations, but inspiring other individuals as well. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's what truly differentiates, you know, a manager or somebody with a certain title and a true leader is actually having that mindfulness and being able to not only resonate with their employees or, you know, who they work with, but being able to truly connect, right? Because I think in business, we tend to treat it like its own reality at times, you know, we get in our workforce and we start, you know, completely acting a completely different way than how we would typically treat other human beings. And so I know you talk about a lot of that and um, you've even done some retreats as well, right? Some wellness retreats around that. Is is that correct? Yeah, I do a lot of um, empowerment retreats, both for corporate America and direct to the consumer. And it really is about asking people to pause and really think about their life and be more intentional with the decisions that they make. And the change process is kind of challenging for a lot of people. And, you know, we have these goals or desires and, you know, we want to achieve things, but there's really no architecture or roadmap Mm -hmm. to get there. So in speaking to the retreats, um, part of the design of the workshops and retreats are to really get people in a state of mind where they're pausing, they're considering new possibilities for their lives by taking inventory. What's going on in my life? Where am I happy? What's causing stress? Where do I feel deficient? Mm And then how can I be inspired? And that inspiration coming from intrinsic motivation, what really is going to make me feel at peace and whole as a human being? And then we move obviously into action. How can I take intentional action? What kind of tools and support do I need? And then what does transformation, what does ideal look like? And I think the more people can live that authentic life in their own skin, in their own personal life, we can begin to show up in the workplace more authentic, maybe more vulnerable as a result, but, sure. in, but with the right boundaries. I mean, we can still be authentic and vulnerable at work, but have the right proper etiquette, the right type of boundaries to be in a workplace, but have more compassion and have more courage and not be afraid to challenge the status quo and to speak up and to have a voice because most good leaders will listen to people who really care about the organization because our greatest asset within an organization are truly our people. And if we can tap into their, their spirit and their courage and their, you know, all the imagination, the creativity and get them linked 
to the organization's mission and vision. You talk about superpowers unite. Yeah. I mean, that's the way that I think organizations are galvanizing, you know, creating a differentiator for themselves in the marketplace, you know, because a lot of competition out there, employment's about the lowest it's been, I think, since the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. So, you know, creating a healthy workplace and inspiring people, I mean, that's what it's about these days. Spot on. What do you think have been some of the biggest challenges to that? Because it's not something that's just turnkey ready, right? It's not something like a flip of the switch and you can change that mindset, you know, instantly. What are some of the challenges you face, whether with leadership, executives, whatever it may be, um, you know, to really ingrain that new mindset? Well, you know, readiness to change is a big deal. And, you know, I used to chase people, people, teams, organizations, and try to convince them that this way would be a better path. And I've stopped doing that because <laughs> mm. somebody has to really be ready to take a step into the unknown because yeah. often change requires this ability to step through fear into a place of courage, but not knowing exactly what the outcome is going to be. So it takes a lot um, to really make a difference or a change or a shift. But I do, to your point, you mentioned the word leadership. I think that change starts at the top. There has to be a vision and a mindset, sort of a moral compass, the heartbeat of an organization. But I think that we have to take these managers that are really, they are boots on the ground. I mean, they have teams that they have to inspire. So those folks have to really be engaged and on the same page, working for a common goal, moving in the same direction. So mission and vision and core values have to be very, very clear. And then I think we recruit specifically to people who marry and, and not marry, but but their ideology, their philosophy marries nicely to the organization's alignment. mission and vision. Alignment, exactly, alignment. And, you know, we could talk for hours on how to recruit and retain, but I do think it starts at the top. I think we have to galvanize mid-level managers because they are, they're the troops on uh, in the battlefield, really. Yeah. And then in the trenches are all these employees, man, and we got to get them all marching to the same tune. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that because with the workplace warrior, that's what makes us a little unique because to be a workplace warrior, you don't have to have certain credentials. You don't have to have a certain title. You don't have to have certain letters after your name, right? And so I've actually got a few questions here from some employees and some leaders that, you know, just wanted to see, kind of hear from you directly what some of your thoughts were. Um, what do you think creates a healthy, dynamic workplace is a question that um, somebody asked from an employee level. What do you think that looks like? So kind of like our own moral compass as individuals, I think organizations need to be real clear on what their moral compass is, what their purpose is, what they are doing in terms of fixing or solving or providing some level of service or care to whether it's direct to B2B or it's direct to consumer. So I think that has to be very clear. And I think that for a workplace to function optimally, we have to create a healthy work environment. Mm -hmm. So leadership needs to be in tune with what makes them feel healthy as individuals yeah. and what healthy looks like within the organization. So providing the tools and support so that people are engaged and inspired, in tune with the workplace. I think alignment is important, getting people in the right seat on the right bus, headed in the right direction, the good to great book, but that is so incredibly true. I think recruiting the right people, onboarding and training, really setting people up for success. Of course, systems and processes have to be efficient, 
But I also think from an organization development standpoint, we have to look at the system, mm -hmm. the organization as a whole and go, okay, how are all these pieces and parts working together? That's right. I see a lot of organizations that communication is fractured. There are silos, people that are trying to do their best with great intention, but it's not moving towards a common goal that's really clear to everybody. So yeah, I believe that organizations need to make sure that the people that they hire are really inspired and have the tools to do a great job because collectively, if everybody's inspired, working efficiently with the tools to really do their job extremely well and rewarded and recognized for that, that's going to set us all up for greater success. Yeah. And I know you and I have spent countless hours talking about these things and you hit it spot on in the sense of it just being a holistic view. And so many people within these companies maybe just focus on the process or the procedures, right? We hear these buzzwords thrown around constantly, but we're not really actually getting to the root cause. And so that's what kind of blows my mind. I know we've talked about uh, a lot about it. So it's, uh, it's really interesting. And I think you said that really well. Um, another question we have is, what are some of the biggest challenges that modern companies face today? Um, and it can be regardless of size. So I think we teach people how to do their job, but we don't really spend time helping them become healthy human beings. Mm -hmm. And we're not talking about the behavioral aspects of how we can help you deal with stress, how we can help you manage conflict, how we can help you better communicate, how we can help people understand that we're all different and unique human beings. And to work synergistically on a team together requires us to have some compassion, some understanding with how we each process, because we're all different and unique. And I think if we can begin to pay attention so that people show up in their power, they show up with a greater level of compassion to work with a team, recognizing that it takes all kinds to make it work, mm -hmm. that there are some real powerful things that we can really solve. Because I often see lots of conflict within organizations and it's people having challenges with other people because they're not seeing eye to eye. So if we can help employees and teams bridge that gap through communication and greater understanding, then collaboration, teamwork, inspiration, empowerment, can all begin to, to unfold because just telling somebody this is your Gantt chart and you need to follow the flow and this is your project management to do's and these are your milestones and this is the output that we want you to drive towards. That is just stuff on a sheet of paper. If people aren't truly inspired to take action, to get us to the outcomes that we need to, and you can't do it one employee at a time, the employees have to work together. And that will make everybody significantly more successful. Yeah. It, uh, it almost goes back to the mindset, right? You see a lot of leaders, unfortunately, especially in, in my side of the work that I do, almost intimidated by hiring somebody that may be, you know, slightly more intelligent in certain ways or in certain aspects. And it's, you know, talks about the mindset that you address at the beginning is, is how do we redirect these ways of thinking and say, hey, you know, I may not be good at this, but I can hire somebody that is. And it's okay if I don't know something. Kind of like you mentioned earlier, showing that vulnerability and saying, hey, like we're a team. We're making up this together and, and not really trying to be everything to all people, right? And I think that's what a lot of leadership struggles with, especially, you know, in a major business and you're, you're so focused on, you know, the returns, your customers and things like that. And we tend to see kind of the internal employees fall on the wayside and to me that's your biggest asset is, is the team that you build 
And so when we're consciously aware of those things, we can really start to craft and mold that and, and truly put our heart and souls in it no different than we would with our business, right? Right. So another question that somebody asked is, um, what do you think companies can do to recruit and retain talent employees on that very subject we just mentioned? So I think we all show up in life. Organizations show up in the workplace with a certain brand. We walk in the room, people that know us, we bring a certain level of energy. People think, oh, Lee, I think about somebody who is a warrior and is pushing the envelope and challenging the status quo. Mm -hmm. That's how you show up. So organizations have this ability to really create the brand. Who do they want to be? So I think that begins to attract. Like you look at Disney, you look at Google, you look at Patagonia, I mean, Zappos, some of these great organizations that have such a fabulous reputation in the marketplace. And they're attracting the right people to the organization. The, and there are a lot of assessments out there, right, that you can baseline and get some real good insight as to someone's alignment with the job, that person's alignment within the organization, you know, in terms of the brand and the, the core values. Then you can begin to be really honest with employees so there's a clear understanding of the job, yeah. which requires the company to be very clear on what they're hiring for. So that alignment can't happen unless there's true clarity on the front end. So I think that is almost like dating. And I think you've used that analogy most recently, is be very honest with who you are and be very honest with what you're offering. And when those two things come together, there's a better chance for a match. So we're both dating, the company and the person that That's is right. looking for the job. And so let's be clear on the front end of what this job entails. Let's take our time. Fast reactionary decisions and hiring often result in the wrong fit. So let's make sure we go through the process because the rehiring and the re-onboarding and training is so expensive. And of course, it's a big disruption. So I'd rather, and I encourage companies to go just a little bit slower, be a little bit more intentional. And then I think the onboarding is critical. Figuring out not only is this person going to be trained properly, but also introduced to the team properly. Mm -hmm. And how does the team work together? Because anytime you introduce something new into the mix, there's a shift in energy. And so I think companies need to recognize that. So it's not just training the person, it's introducing the team so that they can work well together. I like to think about raising the vibration because sometimes when you bring a new quarterback, a franchise player onto a new football team, there's like a little bit of you know, swirling in the locker room because yeah. sometimes there can be jealousy or fear. And really, we need people that are smarter than us on the team. We need people that have strengths and talents that we don't have. And we need to make sure no one's threatened. And if they are, why? Let's help them figure Talk out. Let's help it. them overcome their fear so that we can get to the root cause so the team can function extremely well together. So I think the training is important. I also think, you know, constant communication, checking in, making sure people are feeling good about their job and they're also feeling good about their lives and offering ongoing training. Also doing rewarding that's appropriate. What would intrinsically motivate you, me as a, a manager, understanding what's your love language for lack of a better yeah. way to say it, what's your business love language and, and being in tune with that because if my goal is to, to inspire you, I as a leader need to slow down to figure out what that is right. and I need to make that important because you're important to me, you're important to the team and you're very important to the organization as a whole.
Speaking my language, Terry. <laughs> I love it. Um, you touched on a lot of good stuff then. Um, one is, you know, you have to speed up by slowing down. Mm-hmm. Like you said, I think we're so, especially in within talent acquisition and sheer hiring, right? It's like, we got to fill this role. We got to fill this role. We need to fill it yesterday. Two, three months roll by and we still don't have the right candidate. We don't have people in process. And like you said, we don't have talent pursuing us. And that's a big thing. I know Gary Vee has been big on talking about that lately. You know, he's obviously got a big brand and he's very outspoken. But one thing he really like takes pride in is like, hey, people want to come and work for me. He actually just said something the other day. Somebody mentioned um, paying him to work for him. And I thought that was super interesting. And he said, you know what? That's probably one of the yeah. smartest things. <laughs> yeah, the smartest things that person can do. Because you know what? I will turn that guy into a multimillionaire by this that sheer investment saying, hey, I think it was like $250,000. So a quarter of a million dollars, he said, look, I'll, I want to pay you this to work for you. Um, and I thought that was amazing because you got flipping the paradigm upside down. That's right. And because it's very much, you know, a buyer's market right now, right? Like candidates kind of have the control in the sense that they're able to kind of pick and choose where they align with. And what we're seeing now is especially with these new generations coming into the workforce, People are demanding their time back. And like you mentioned earlier, you know, we, I reference dating a lot because it's such an easy picture to paint for people. Um, but we have to start seeing like, hey, we have to be transparent. The smoke and mirrors game has got to be over, you know, because I've seen it in the talent acquisition side where, you know, companies were blatantly lying about like what the role entailed, how many hours you're working, what your bonus structure would look like. Um, and that's just not something that's fair, not only to their you know, career advancement, but to their livelihood. You're not impacting just them, but you're impacting their family. And so I think we really need to start, you know, tuning in that emotional, you know, intelligence. You know, I know that's another new buzzword word, but really being in tune, like you said, and having that alignment, just that conscious awareness that we talk a lot about on the show and putting that into perspective and saying, you know what, what if you were on the other side of that of that table? What if you're on the other side of that desk? Because a lot of leadership, right, especially if it's their own company or they've been invested at these companies for quite some time, they haven't interviewed in a hot minute. And if they have, people are coming, you know, headhunters or recruiters or whoever it may be are reaching out to them or they have a strong network, which you and I talk a lot about as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you dropped a lot of, lot of good stuff in that. And I think once people really start and, like you said, you have to be able to think about that on your own. Nobody can force you to think a certain way. Nobody can, you know, lead you in a direction you don't want to go. And so once you're able to sit down and assess who you are as a person and where you want to go in your personal and professional development, then you can align yourself with what's right, you know, not only yourself, but for the people that's looking up to you. You know, I think you mentioned a few things that that sort of struck me. And, you know, you you think about it as as a buyer's market. And it's very different. Yeah. So with unemployment being so low, there are a lot of companies that are having to change the way that they market and recruit. And if you keep doing the same old, same old called status quo, you're going to get the same results. So I kind of think this um, new decade, if you will, is going to shake things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think when that happens, that makes us all better. It makes us all more aware and awake and more conscious of how to do things different and perhaps a little bit better as a result of that. I think companies are going to have to create, like, if you want to be a destination employer, you're going to have to be a magnet for good employees. So how do you do that? How do you market? So those things are going to become very important for organizations that want to compete for 
good talent. So Lee, you made some really important points about it's a different market now. It's a buyer's market. So employees are picking and choosing and being very selective as to where they want to work. We've already said a couple of times um, that the unemployment is lower now, I think, since the Industrial Revolution. So it's a very different landscape for organizations now. So smart companies are really branding themselves and marketing themselves so they become a destination employer. And that's sort of a buzzword. But when I think about that is how can I attract like a magnet and retain and be sticky with really talented employees? And it's not just the beginning how I market brand and, and attract, retain, retain and onboard, but it's how can I create this deep connection so an employee intrinsically is motivated to stay. And this younger generation is definitely looking for a healthier work environment, more flexibility. And that doesn't mean that they don't wanna work as hard. Flexibility just means we have to be more creative as organizations mm -hmm. to come up with what flexibility could look like in our modern, you know, modern workplace. Yeah. And then importantly in that mix is how can we make sure that people feel aligned with the mission and vision of the organization. Most of the younger generation people that I spend time with is they want to feel part of something bigger than right. themselves. And they also want to know what their destiny is within the organization. So helping people vision where they could move within an organization and really giving some futuring perspective because to just start in one place and be frozen there is not a very attractive, appealing thing, especially to younger folks because they'll bounce in a second. Yeah, they will. And <laughs> I mean, they will flat yeah, they out will. bounce. Yeah, they will. So, I mean, I think it's kind of exciting times because it's, requiring us all to kind of break the norm mm -hmm. and challenge the status quo and come up with new normals and new ways of doing things, which I think often make us much better. That's right. Because we learn from everyone we meet, right? You know, a lot of people think you have to have X amount of years of experience or you have to be this age to have been, you know, wise. With age comes wisdom. But there's a lot of things that people can learn, you know, early, late, and mid in the career. Another thing with the Workplace Warrior, while we try to cover all spectrums of the workplace, because, you know, we wouldn't be doing justice to people if we were just interviewing leaders, right? If we're not hearing the voices of others, because there's Workplace Warriors in all aspects of life, and they're leading change and leading the charge, no matter what level they're at, so to speak. And so I think that's an important thing to realize is that, you know, we can learn from anybody we talk to, regardless of age, sex, race, it doesn't really matter. Oh, I think if you're not hearing the collective consciousness, you're not tapping in to the voice and the intellect and the opinions and perspectives of a kaleidoscope of people, you're really missing 100%. a great opportunity. Yeah, I completely agree. And then you touched on branding as well. And that's why you know, with the Workplace Warrior mixed with LinkedIn and other media, you know, media platforms, we want to start showing people that, hey, we want to start having conversations, real live organic conversations like this, not only to share a conversation, but to showcase like, hey, what are you actually doing behind the scenes to elevate your company, to elevate your employees? Because now more than ever, you know, vid videos huge, podcasts are huge, all these platforms are huge. What are you doing to differentiate yourself like you mentioned? to get your voice out there. And so I think it's so important now more than ever to stand on whatever platform you have. Everybody's so big on you know the vanity metrics, but it doesn't matter. The truth will resonate, like you mentioned with the frequency and the magnetism, that will attract the right people. 
And if your message isn't attracting, you know, some and it's attracting others, that's okay. You know, it can it can be that way because you you know you're not for everybody. But the people that are aligned with your mission, vision, and values, and not just some random writing on the wall, I think that's you know the most important thing. And that's what I'm curious to ask you too: is what are some ways that companies and leaders can shape their mission, vision, and values? Right? Because typically you see you know, groups of people sitting around thinking about what we can put on our website and what we can put on these flyers and what words capture that. But what I love the most about your work is you you go deep, you get to the actual person. So what are ways that you've been able to see that help leaders do that? Well, I think to your point, mission, vision, core values are often on a website or on the wall. Mm -hmm. They're not even brought up in onboarding. They're not even brought up in recruiting. And they certainly aren't brought up in boardrooms where you're making important decisions. So I really think that the mission and vision and core values need to be part of the fiber of every single decision that's made within an organization because that brings us back to the nucleus, the why. And if those are very clear, that will be our moral compass. That will help keep companies very focused with great intention going back to the foundational things that make the company uniquely that organization. You know, many times you'll have integrity is often one that shows up, even in a mission or vision or a core value. And so what does that really mean? I mean, beginning to talk about what does integrity mean? How does that show up in board meetings? How does that show up when we talk with customers? How does it show up when we're having brainstorming meetings? How does that show up in the way that we're treating other human beings? So I think it is putting all three of those things, mission, vision, core values into action. Mm. And not just doing it occasionally, but making it part of that dynamic, part of the pulse of the organization. Yeah, that's spot on. Do you see a lot of leaders, you know, wanting to move, you know, past, you know, because a lot of people say, hey, this is how we've always done things, right? Is that a big challenge that you've seen in today's modern workplace? People don't like change. Yeah, especially <laughs> I mean, corporate America. Yeah, right? 80% <laughs> of change initiatives fail, and they fail for a lot of reasons. It's never one thing. It's usually an aggregation of a lot mm-hmm. of things. But if leadership is not ready to change, there's not true buy-in and readiness, readiness and a clear vision on what change looks like, how we're going to get there and how we're going to measure it, then it's just kind of like putting it on your to-do list and hoping it works out. Mm -hmm. So if you're not putting true like firepower and metrics and a real clear vision that's Mm -hmm. communicated that everybody buys into, it's very, very difficult to hit the mark. Yeah, I agree with that. What are, um, I know you kind of cover a wide scope in your work and, and, and cover kind of start to finish. We've talked a lot about the different things and like the types of work that you do. What are some of the services that you offer um, to different companies and, and ways that be able to help them? And I know we've covered a lot, even all the way, you know, some things that we're going to work on with the wellness retreats and things, right? Um, so what are some, you know, solutions and uh, services that you offer to these organizations? So, um it it really does start with discovery, right? So I don't know if my services are gonna fit an organization until I'm really clear on what their goals and objectives are. And sometimes in the discovery process, I can help them discover a bit more around what kind of change initiative are you truly trying to institutionalize. I can go in and help from an OD standpoint to institutionalize about any type of change, but where I land with great passion is, How can I help an organization create a healthier workplace? 
How can I help an organization attract and retain the right employee? How can I set that company up for success by doing the right thorough training for the employee, get them aligned and get them as individuals effective, get them from a team's perspective integrated and make sure we're all rowing in the right direction and make sure we've got goals and objectives and outcomes that we're all driving towards. So kind of beginning to end in terms of that spectrum from a consulting standpoint. But what I also love to do is empowerment training, workshops on leadership, workshops on communication, workshops on conflict resolution, workshops on how companies can work more more integrated and more effectively together. So I do lots of workshops, I do some corporate retreats, and I do some direct-to-consumer. And that's probably where it started for me years ago is how can I take what I've learned in life and how can I help people become awake and aware so that they can improve the quality of their life. And so I do quite a bit direct-to-consumer, which is a lot of fun for me because I can integrate yoga, I can integrate yeah. mindfulness, and to a degree where it's appropriate, I can do that in corporate America also. Right. More mind-body connection than the yoga, but certainly the mindfulness. How can you become aware and self-regulate? How can you manage stress? How can you use techniques, breathing techniques, visualization techniques? There's a lot around that that can be actually integrated into the workplace. But that's sort of a big part of what I do when I do direct-to-consumer work is in and around someone's desire for change and helping them figure that out. I developed um, an assessment tool called Train for Life, and I use it both direct-to-consumer and with people that I coach, executives and individuals, as well as organizations and teams where they take an assessment which asks about 15 powerful life questions, giving somebody the ability to take inventory of their life. First, the assessment invites them to pause, really important, right? And to do some self-reflection. And in that self-reflection, my, my goal is for people to, to look at their life in a bit more broader perspective so they can see where there might be imbalance or where they might feel there's change needed. So it helps to bring people to greater level of awareness, waking them up to the things yeah. that they want to change. And then once there is that identification, there can be an empowerment program or action plan, if you will, to help them architect the change. Because I think we have to wake up in order to see the vision of what we want to drive towards. And we can't get to that place of transformation without a solid plan to get there. So the whole readiness to change, this invitation to do self-reflection, whether it's a person or a team or an organization, sits at the centerpiece of, of what I'm all about. The pausing is critical. The desire to change, the readiness is, is critical. And having some way to support way process to get there is is got to be that's got to be part of the toolkit because if not we're kind of wandering without a compass we think we want to be over there but we're not real clear on what over there looks like so direct to consumer i do a bit of work in and around using the assessment tool i've got a a program called the train for life empowerment program and I do that within organizations and I do it with individuals and I can do it on retreats. So it's kind of taking the same concepts, the same mental constructs, the same um, evidence-based 
programs that I've developed, the assessment being evidence-based and using it where it fits, right? right. So it's not a one-size-fits-all. Sometimes I just consult. Sometimes I just coach. Sometimes I go in and do empowerment programs. It really just depends on what the opportunity is and what the needs are, very importantly. Yeah, and that's what I love about you the most is because you're working. You're such a humble person. um, And so it's like you've done all these amazing things in your life and have like these you know books and books of proprietary you know intellectual property and it like blows my mind so it's like oh i've got these assessments and it you know you're just such a humble person but i know like you said it's like everybody has these blanketed approaches and that's what i love about your work is because it is custom tailored towards not only the organization but the individual and we see a lot of that like our public school systems we see that in corporate america that everybody has the same numbers everybody has the same dangling carrot everybody has that same motivation or goals and it's not a one-size-fit-all kind of deal and i think that's a huge huge problem and also what you said too is with the mindfulness the yoga the breath work all those type of things that uh, may seem a little out there to some people but i mean these this is nothing new this has been going on for thousands of years and you know we look at all these other cultures and we're like okay how are they so healthy how are they so productive how are they doing well in these environments and you're like wait they're, you know, they're doing breath work, they're doing meditation, they're doing mindfulness. And so, you know, our culture being what it is, sometimes we can be a little bit late to the game. And we're starting to see, you know, through quantum physics, through all this research, through the, the data that sometimes people have to see, right? It's like, okay, this does work. Spending, you know, 15 minutes of meditation can actually help your productivity, can help your mental wellness. So, um, one of the last questions that I have for you is to that point, and you know that's a very like passionate point for me, and we could talk about that for a very long time. But you know, where do you see kind of like the I don't want to say global consciousness, but the workplace consciousness and the evolution of that, and how we can impact wellness within an organization with the type of work that you're doing, you know, with the consulting, with the mindfulness, with the retreats, everything all in one. But how are we able to impact that? Where where do you see things kind of going from there? So I'm going to go back to your Workplace Warrior podcast name. When we go to work, I mean, I feel like sometimes we put on masks Mm -hmm. because we're going to work to be a warrior. And I think there's nothing wrong with suiting up and getting ready to go to the big game, right? Mm -hmm. And to be competitive and to be on fire and passionate about something. But I think there has to be authenticity and alignment in that. And I think there has to be this peaceful warrior mentality as I can be fierce and courageous and effective and productive, but I also want to have this life balance. I want to have compassion. I want to have more of of, of a broader consciousness so that it's just not all about me. It's about the collective good of my team, my organization, and that helping organizations institutionalize that mindset because it has to start with a mental construct shift. There has to be a new mindset and we have to create an environment that doesn't just talk about it, but lives it and breathes it through action. We hire for it. We train that way. We set our missions and vision and core values up to support that. I believe that companies that are waking up and that are early adopters are going to be far more successful, far more productive, far more competitive in the long run. Because you have to step into the unknown and being sometimes the first one to step into the shadows to face you know, what's in the darkness, that unknown, or the people that come out on the other side brighter and stronger as a result of it. So candidly, I think if companies aren't paying attention to helping people stress manage, life balance, 
deal with their emotional intelligence, how they're showing up at work, learning how to self-regulate, becoming more self-aware, helping people do deep introspection in terms of what is it that you feel, what is it that you want, what is it that you need, because if you're not answering those questions as an employee, it's going to be difficult for you to, to be productive. And I think sometimes companies think that all that stuff needs to be done at home. And when the person walk, walks through the threshold of the office, all of a sudden they turn into this warrior. And the reality is, is you're the same person. So I think companies that can help employees not just professionally develop, but personally develop and spend time and energy around that, again, that's going to give them, I think, a, a step up in the marketplace. And I think it's also going to help them retract and retain really talented people. Mic drop, Terry. That was amazing. Were you, I think you were looking in your crystal ball or something. <laughs> I love that. Um, Man, you nailed it, and I don't even want to rain on that parade. So lastly, you know, what would you say if you could leave the listeners with one thing, whether it was a leader, whether it was a manager, a business owner, an employee, what could be one thing? Because I think we all, you know, we want to take off running out the gate, but sometimes we need to take that first step. What could be that first step that you would recommend, you know, to expand your conscious, to expand your mindfulness, to learn to balance that suit of armor in the workplace and being a workplace warrior, but meeting that energy on both ends? What would you say could be a good first step for people to take? I think um, pausing and making your life. Like if I were talking to somebody is how happy are you with your life? How balanced is your life? Because if we can't take personal ownership for our own life, how can we be a mentor to someone else? Because we are often a mere reflection of who we are and that's how we show up. So I think personal ownership in being as healthy and as whole as you can be as an individual and doing the work that it takes to get really clear on how you can improve your own life, finding more peace. And in that piece, often being happier, more productive, more satisfied. Mm. And I think that that begins to be the energy that you project so that you can show up as a better leader. You can show up as a better, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, friend. And I think that that's the thing we don't do in our westernized culture is to slow down and do that self-reflection work because we have all our own answers. We just have to really slow down and trust our own intuition. And I talked about earlier is balancing the head and the heart. Often we're more heart driven or more head driven. And I think those two things, when they're aligned, really create wisdom. Mm -hmm. And none of that happens overnight. It starts with the desire and then making the time. Because if we have a concept in our heads, it's only an idea until it moves into action. And that takes time and energy and desire. So that would be my wish is that people would recognize what amazing human beings we all are. And if we can't take time for ourselves, I mean, we've got a real problem. So pause, slow down, introspect. So Lee, you've become a fast friend and um, I think what you're doing is very courageous and you are challenging the status quo. And I love that you're asking the tough questions and that takes a lot of courage because when you're out in front, you're often taking more shrapnel because you're the first man out of the trench. And so I just would applaud, you know, I applaud what you're, what you're doing. I would encourage you to, to keep challenging the status quo, keep inviting these rich 
conversations with people because we can all learn from one another. And if we're not talking about it, nothing's going to happen. So casting um, light into the shadow is where I think our greatest growth and opportunity lie, but often that's a scary place to be. And I'm glad that you're shining the spotlight on it because we need some light in that dark corner. I really appreciate that. That means a lot because it's uh, it's not always easy, like you said, and I've already received you know a bunch of different scrutiny and feedback, whether it's around mental health or exposing bias in the workplace, or like you said, having these tough conversations and, um, it's been something that I thoroughly enjoy and that I think that's needed. And so I'm willing to kind of make that stand. It's not always easy, but I'm super fortunate to have friends like you and to have other people around me that are like-minded and bring so much to the table and so many different things. And, you know, because we realize we don't know what we don't know. And there's so much out there. You've everybody's seen that little diagram of the things we don't know and the things we don't know we don't know. And then when you start talking to people like yourself and others, it just, it's, you know, we're lifelong learners and that's what the beauty of life and everything is. And that's what true friendship, partnership, relationships are, whether you're working with a client, sitting down, having a conversation, have a true relationship or friendship with somebody. It all starts with that conversation and connection and you can't get past that. So I, I greatly appreciate that. Where can people find you at, Terry, um, on social media, LinkedIn? Yeah, so um, EmpowerHealthAmerica.com. Um, TFL underscore America on Instagram and of course TFL Facebook, Train for Life America Facebook. And then my email address is treeves at ehaamerica.com. And I'm getting ready to launch um, a podcast, audio, not visual podcast, um, called Two Scoops of Inspiration with a very good friend of mine, Seal Smart, who you've got to meet. Yeah. She's on fire for helping people be amazing. So we are going to do some work around train for life to be amazing, direct to consumer work through workshops and retreats and using my TFL empowerment program. And her story is similar. You know, she didn't grow up privileged and she's been through enough stuff to know that you don't want to get stuck there and very inspiring human being. And, and that's where I think like-minded people working together can help to raise the consciousness and I don't want to be in an ivory tower playing with my toys by myself. I'm like, bring it. I mean, this is a coalition. I need more like-minded people helping me change the world because at the end of the day, change is hard. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to read one thing, and it's about change. And yeah. I think it's very poignant because I think people are fearful of change. But that's, I think, where great opportunities begin. And so I wrote this, and it's called Embracing Change. Embracing change requires being open to new possibilities, to have the capacity to see beyond the obvious and the desire and courage to walk into the unknown. Change requires letting go of the familiar, stepping beyond what is comfortable and trusting the process. Hmm. I love that. What a perfect ending to an amazing conversation. You all... Thank you so much for tuning in. You heard it directly from my friend, Terry Reeves. I hope you enjoy the conversation. I hope you enjoy our first live recording, video recording. I look forward to many, many more impactful conversation and workplace warriors on. And thank you so much, Terry, for talking with me today. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. My pleasure, too.